This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Toronto Blue Jays dropping the series two games to one is their only series loss in the month of June. Boston is still second place in the American League East, still 13 games back from the division leading New York Yankees, but still in the first wild card position. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and, at times, savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Canton, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. How are you, Jason? I'm much better now that I can finally unclench after uh, those last couple of innings. Jeez, it's just, it's never easy, is it? 6-3 heading into extras, you're like, all right, you're pretty comfortable, even against Toronto. And then, of course, it's just never easy. And Matt Strom almost gave it up, but glad they at least escaped with one win. Um, series loss still sucks, but at least you get some momentum going the right way heading to Chicago. So I'll take it. Did it feel like a win, though? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it felt it felt pretty good. I mean, you go up against Alec Manoa and you end up beating him again. That's that's pretty good. He's he's nasty. So it it didn't feel like a great win, but solid win. Sure. Yeah, true. And if you beat Manoa, there's no excuse for losing the other two. Well, except maybe the Seabold game. You're probably going to lose a lot of Seabold games, but. Uh, all right, and also joining us tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. How are you, Andrew? Doing well, 20 and 6. That is the May we needed, or June we June. needed, excuse me. Well, we needed it in to May, back too. In time. Yeah, there were <laughs> 9 and 13 in April, 14 and 14 in May, and now 20 and 6. And, I mean... They salvaged the season. That's exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, and it's not like you have to sweat out one game anymore. You know, if you're a wild card, you get 
three no, games. No, they're in the position. You had to get to 500, then you had to get a game above, then two games above, and yeah, they just continue to build on that. Before we get into it, did, is was there a follow-up on Alvarez today? He took that shot in the collision. Yeah, I think they were both fine. Oh, they were both, both in the clubhouse after the game. Okay. Luckily. Well, he, he got carted off, so... I was saying in the war room, I'm like, we, we kind of need Alvarez, <laughs> you know, just in case it don't go well for us. We need somebody to, you know, beat the Yankees again. So I kind of uh, weirdly hope that Astros team doesn't doesn't get hurt. We're, we're so lucky, though, to have only witnessed one Yankees championship in the last 20 years. It's true. It's been a while for them. Yeah. I mean, just before the turn of the, the decade or the century, they, they won a couple, but yeah, 2009 was the last one, I think. So yeah. Um, yeah. They're going through quite a drought, at least by their standards. So it's, it's kind of fun to see that. And, and Yankees fans have had to watch four of ours. A couple of that their, makes it even better. Yeah. yeah. A couple at their expense too. So yeah, hopefully. We still need, like, Nestor Cortez to come down to earth. And um, Garrett Cole just doesn't – it's not like he chokes in the playoffs, but it just doesn't go his way usually. Yeah, all right. So, was a series loss. Uh, game one was with Connor Siebold pitching. Red Sox dropped that one 7-2. to Game two had Michael Waka. Red Sox lose that one six to five. And then finally today in the finale uh, with Nick Pavetta pitching, they win it six to five. So salvaged one. We are going to start on the dud side of it since we lost. So Jason, you're in the leadoff spot. Who is your dud for the series? I'm going with Rafael Devers, um, two for 12 this series, left six guys on base and just had zero offensive impact. Um, and the game tonight, like, I don't know if Manoa was throwing him off or he was just jumpy up there. He was antsy, but felt like every at bat, he was swinging at the first pitch and popping it up in the infield. It just was, it was not the usual Rafael Devers. Even Euclid pointed it out on the broadcast at one point, he's like, you know, when this guy's on, he's taking pitches and not necessarily because he's going to walk, but because he kind of likes to see what the pitcher's got to offer. And then he knows which pitch he wants to go after with Manoa. He was just going up there hacking. I mean, it was, it was pretty awful to watch and game two, you lose by one run. Raphael Devers left three guys on base in that game. So if he's on in that game, or if he's even half on, maybe he drives in a couple of runs, maybe you don't blow it in the ninth because you have a much more comfortable lead, you know, if he drives in a couple of those runs. So just a very uh, minimal series from him. And, you know, it's, it's tough. He's your best hitter. So obviously I'm, I'm being a little bit nitpicky and, and harsh on him, but look, you're going up against the iron of the American league here. So you need your best hitter to perform and the entire two, three and four hitters of this lineup just fell asleep and Devers being one of them. So it's glad, you know, glad they were able to salvage a win despite that. But I'm hoping that we're not about to see the start of a Rafael Devers slump because that's the last thing this team needs. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, series like that, you just kind of shake your head and go, all right, 
need a little bit more from from the star hitters here. So hopefully in Chicago, uh, he picks it up and wakes up a little bit. Yeah, God forbid he took a pitch. I mean, it seemed like the first pitch swing each time. I as the Red Sox, as Devers goes, the Red Sox go. I, he sets the tone for them being their two hitter. I mean, yeah, put the guy that you want the most at bats in your lineup getting that. And Devers is obviously that guy. And he just wasn't delivering. He had guys on base. He was just stranding there, them there left and right. It was very uncharacteristic. You don't usually win games when he performs like he did this series. Um, obviously, we ha- we hold him to a higher standard. I think he's earned that. He clearly wants to be paid to that higher standard. So these AL East games are an absolute dogfight. And when you're a handicapped going into a series like the Red Sox were, you need Rafael Devers to you know be that dude. He's got to be that guy that's stepping up, getting the big hits when you need him. And he was swinging just out of his mind. I thought he was going to fall over a few times like Adrian Belcher used to. And he didn't, but he almost spun himself to the ground like a top. Um, he's got to get right. Hopefully, like you said, this upcoming series will be that. Um, but we need it against our, you know, the opponents that we need to beat, and that's the AL East. Well, if I can say anything nice about Devers, it's that he only had two strikeouts in the series. So, um, you know, a lot of contact outs. His final at-bat in games two and three were actually walks. So while he didn't drive them in, he took his base and kind of kept the inning going. But he does have those moments where he's trying to do too much. And then there are other moments where he's just, he understands the situation and he's just putting the ball in play. He's just slapping it through a gap or, or maybe he just sees the ball out of the hand and, and crushes one. And we didn't really see any of that this series. And it was such a winnable series, despite the bad circumstances we had coming into it. And it was, uh, it, it was definitely uh, a disappointment. So, Andrew, you're dud with an S in parentheses at the end of it. Yeah, um, we saw Jackie Bradley go over the series again. He's in the, you know, the midst of an over 25 stretch here, faced all righties. We saw Tyler Danish try to go two innings. We saw Matt Strom labor through two innings. And behind those two performances, three performances, excuse me, were Jaron Duran and Tanner Houck. And they were very noticeably not there. Cora is pissed. Um, From what it sounds like, Tanner Houck worked himself out of a job. Uh, if you take that report that came out that said Whitlock's going to be a reliever, read closer when he comes back, and he didn't deny it um, in his pregame. He said, yeah, we're discussing Garrett's role when he comes back, and bullpen is you know a possibility. And then he also said, I guarantee when we come back to Toronto, which fittingly is the last series of the season, all must-win games, 
presumably. I think we it's, we can all assume that at this point. He said, I'll bet you a dollar, um, I think it was the amount, uh, very trading places bet, um, that the s- vaccination statuses of his team will not be the same. And we know that Chris Sale, we know that Jaron Duran and Tanner Houck all can't make the trip north of the border right now. And it's absolutely killing them. Jaron Duran would have started all three of those games. Jaron Duran's been in the best stretch of his career. Granted, it's a young career, but it was facing all righties. If it was facing lefties, I'd be like, well, crap, we're screwed anyways. But it's not, that wasn't the case. He had a chance to solidify his position coming back. Now, if Kike comes back soon and Rob Refsnyder continues to do what he does, who do you think Cora trusts more? Do you think you trust the two guys that can play defense or the one that can't make a damn read if, you know, it was told to him before the ball was hit? The, the Red Sox trust defense, and that was the reason for Jackie Bradley coming back. And Duran had an absolute chance to make us forget about Jackie Bradley completely, and that's gone. We saw Tyler Danish should never have pitched that second inning, but the splits were horrendous, and they were a right-handed pitcher short. They're not going to bring up – is it Silvio so, – I, I don't even know his name. Bronco. And Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to butcher it. So <laughs> I honestly don't know it. And, no, they had no other option. It was either Diekman or Strom. They would have been screwed tonight either way if they brought one of those guys in. And, yeah, it was just a situation where I've been screaming for on this pod for two years to say – Hauk is the closer. He, there's another guy that had a job for the taking, and now it seems like he passed that up. It seemed, you know, they should have walked out of the series with two wins, and they walked out, and they're lucky with one. In a sort of sick way, June 28th was my favorite day of this series because we all know what people were hoping for on June 28th. The Red Sox lose. Shaughnessy comes over the top rope on Twitter with, you know, just well does, you know, the most deserved loss of the season. And, you know, Tanner Houck is enjoying his personal freedom uh, back, back home in Boston while his team loses. Um, It's just, it's getting so irritating at this point. Like does Tanner Houck not realize, dude, you've been demoted twice, both after Toronto series that you skipped voluntarily skipped by the way they, they didn't hold you out you, you could have gone if you wanted to you could have done what Trevor Story did before the season where he didn't really want to get the shot out either but you know teammates kind of said hey man we really need you we got some important games against Toronto you're not gonna be able to go and he went okay yeah I want to be able to play there because I'm a competitor and I want to win so sure I'll go do it and Tanner Houck is gonna let himself get demoted twice instead of just you know getting the shot and being able to go. It's ridiculous. He, he went from the starting rotation to the bullpen because Cora was pissed the first time they were in Toronto. And now he's gone from closer to, I don't know, who knows what his role is going to be. Probably just strike guy now at this point, you know, he'll eat up a couple of, of innings when they need him to. Um, and as for Jaron Duran, like, yeah, dude, you were off to a hot start, but once Kike comes back and Rob Refsnyder continues to play like this and, you know, Franchi can still play the outfield too. He's he's raking right now. There may not be a spot for you 
maybe they just send you back down because they say, well, you're not going to be there in those important games in September anyway. So why should we invest in you? Um, it's just, and look, it, you know, there's always the arguments on both sides, you know, it's their, their choice and whatever. I get that. Okay. But you're in a division where you're going to play games in Toronto that are going to be important. Look at what the Yankees did. Judge and Rizzo were not vaccinated. You know what they did? They got vaccinated because they want to win a championship this year. And they're, you know, they've got a stranglehold over the AL East because they can bring their best hitters to Toronto and they can beat up on the Blue Jays. So they chose to do it because they want to win. So I would ask Tanner, how do you want to win? Like, what, what do you actually want to like? At, we, you, we all thought you wanted to be a starter because, you know, beginning of the season, you kept poo-pooing anyone who said, oh, what if you go to the bullpen? You're like, nope, I want to be a starter, except if I have to go to Toronto. In which case, no, no, it's okay. I'll just stay home. Then he gets to be the closer. Still not a bad role. And he goes, yeah, no, I'm still not going to go. So I don't know. Tanner Howe keeps costing himself opportunities left and right. Um, and, you know, Tanner Howe needs to understand, dude, you're not Mariano Rivera. Okay. Like you're not exactly an established closer just yet. You had a couple of really good outings as closer, but for you to be pulling this is a little absurd. And same with Duran. He's a young kid who's just now getting heated up and, you know, decides to stay at home during an important series. So it sucks. Um, the bullpen is a disaster, you know, especially when you don't have help to go to against a, a right-handed heavy team. Um, it's, it's annoying. I still put part of it on management for not building a better bullpen anyway, to the point where you're so reliant on Tanner Houck that when he misses a series, your bullpen is in shambles. That's not good either. So part of this absolutely falls on management for the way the roster is built. But yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I'm glad we don't have to deal with this again until September because the whole Toronto thing is just really starting to crawl up my backside. So I'm glad that again, we wanted to deal with it for a few months, but I'm really interested to see what the Red Sox do with both Hauk and Duran um, when they get to Chicago. So a few things to just kind of build off you guys' takes. Um, with Whitlock, I think he was going to the bullpen anyway at this point. I mean, it makes very little sense with the bodies that we're about to get back to put him in there especially when he didn't really go onto the injured list on a good note, like say Evaldi, who was pitching fine until suddenly he wasn't feeling well. So I, I think that's, that was destined anyway. And if Hout goes to the eighth, fine. You know, I mean, Whitlock had a much stronger run than, than Hout did. So, I just hope the strikeouts come back up. I think if he just kind of refines his his pitching, I mean, he's got a good slider, he's got a good changeup and a good fastball. Just keep it keep it simple and and just focus on that one inning. I think out of the two, Houck's going to get the multi innings though. Um, so I, I think Whitlock will just be used in the ninth. As far as Alex Cora's comments on how the team will definitely be more vaccinated by September and October, hopefully. You know who that one player is who's definitely getting vaxxed? 
It's probably Chris Sale, if I had to guess. It's Chris Sale because yeah. he can't. He can't. He, he's already. He's already killing himself because he can't stay healthy and he's already missed half the season. So he's not going to miss the first half of the season and then take himself out of the playoffs at this point. Like he, he's got to get vaxxed. He knows he's not living up to that contract and he's going to, he's just going to have to bite the bullet and do it. Now, Andrew, you had a quote yesterday. Oh, go ahead. You, you can wait. I was going to say, he's put weird shit into his belly button <laughs> yeah. and uh, whatever's going to go into his arm. So, you know, Stop complaining. He's he's getting vaxxed. I think Cora could probably leverage Duran into doing it, I would think. I don't know what kind of an influence perhaps Duran's parents might have on him. If they're hardcore anti-vaxxers, I could see that getting tricky at that point. But but Kike is going to be out for a little while anyway, I think, still. And I mean... I, Ref Snyder's been fun to watch, but how sustainable is this? He's got no options, though, Ref Snyder, and he won't clear waivers. True. So yeah. that, that it'll be like, do you want to just lose this player? And that that's a that's a big question for Cora and Bloom to ask themselves. And I just can't see them. I mean, shit, he's got a point eight war right now. He's had like 40 at bats. That's kind of nuts. And tonight we he had no chance of catching that ball, that foul ball in right field. And he just went out and dove on to that hard, you know, foul territory. He 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 doesn't want to go, you know, he doesn't want to be a free agent or go back down. I nothing but respect for the way Ref Snyder's played for my behalf. He played a really good carom off the wall to kind of hold a runner at third as well. Yeah, I, I love him out in right field. I mean, he seems almost as good as Bradley, quite frankly. And you can see how humble he is in the clubhouse. I mean, he's had some big games and had some interviews after those games. And he doesn't try to talk himself up. He just seems like a guy who knows his place. And he's he's just kind of happy to be there. So I can see why teams are always claiming him off waivers or signing him to minor league deals and and um you know and whatnot i thought i had one other take but i i guess for now with duran he's i think he's almost solidified a spot for now regardless i mean when kike comes back then it gets really difficult but He's just playing so good. I mean, he he was getting on base almost automatically in his first at bat. He's w working counts good. I mean, this plate discipline is is as good as we've ever seen. And I talked about on the last show with Charlie and Job. He was really busy last series out in center field, and a lot of the plays weren't super challenging, but he was getting the repetitions. And just was starting to look a little bit more comfortable out there. So curious to see what his defensive ceiling is, if it can get better. And if it does, we might have a, you know, a bona fide major leaguer. So yeah, all right. part, oh, part of what helped Duran was that Jackie Bradley just didn't seize on the opportunity at all and just continues to be dead weight out there except for his defense. So, yeah, Duran probably will be okay because I just think even if Cora's pissed at him, he's probably much happier seeing him at the top of the lineup in there than uh, having to see Jackie Bradley 
hit for any reason. Yeah, Bradley was 0 for 8 this series, 0 for 9 last series, so he hasn't had a hit in a couple series here. I'm going one more series back in my notes here. Let's see. I forget which series this even was, but he was 2 for 10 in that one. So he's 2 for 27 right now in his last three series. Um, just... I'm, I'm glad that the uh, the eye thing is working out for him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Maybe if they put a blindfold on him and send him up to the plate, he'll start ripping doubles again or whatever. <laughs> this is unbelievable. All right. My dud for the series. This is going to get kind of at least hilarious for a second, but J.D. Martinez was 0 for 13. He didn't have a hit. And... Devers was a dud, leaving guys on base. When when Martinez is 0 for 13 and Devers was as bad as he was, it's almost a miracle that you win a game, really, uh, especially against this Toronto lineup. I'm just trying to see where he was last series. Oh, he had a good last series. He was 5 for 13, yeah. So he's not really outside of the series, been on a slump. But, um, yeah, so just terrible and... In that last at-bat, it was an 0-for-2 count. I think this was in the 10th inning. And they were throwing, like, sliders down in the dirt. And he was almost swinging his bat like a golf club. And I'm like, geez, there's no way he's working himself back in this count. There's just no way. I I, I was honestly hoping. I'm like, J.D., just strike out looking. We don't need a double play. <laughs> just, just, just strike out looking, get out of the batter's box. And then he ends up getting plunked in the back. And I've never I've never been so thrilled to have a hit by pitch. And that walked in the run and it was um that made it four to three in the final game and um and then it was uh six to three after that. So uh terrible series. I mean he's not a guy who ever goes through these super long slumps, so maybe Chicago will be a nice get right series, if not perhaps the playing the Yankees will will get him, you know, up because a lot of people uh get amped up for that one. But Jason, thoughts on JD? Yeah, that that hit by bat uh, or that hit batsman he had to drive in the run. That was poetic justice at its finest, given how Toronto got their panties in a bunch earlier in the game for literally no reason. That was some of the most childish stuff I've ever seen from mostly their manager, um, but also Vladdy Jr. over there. Um, yeah, in terms of JD, I'm not overly concerned. He, you know, he had a good series um, against Cleveland, down series against Toronto, but he was going up against you know Gaussman and Manoa, some tough pitching there. Um, he, yeah, the, the, the game tonight, he just looked defeated. He just looked like he he knew he didn't have it this series and just it almost looked like 2020 JD Martinez just waving at pitches helplessly and you know really just not seeing the ball at all. So yeah, it was a frustrating series for him. I think it was a frustrating series for the whole team. Um, I think getting out of Toronto, getting to Chicago where he should face some softer pitching, I think that will get him right. So bad series for him for sure, but I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, thank God for that hit by pitch. I, I was like, oh my God, don't eject this dude. But they ended up taking him out anyways. But, uh, you know, he strikes out and then I bat Xander grounds into a double play right after. We're 
you know, our attitude is a hell of a lot different right now. I don't know what's going on. We have a power outage um, with our three and four spots in the lineup. <laughs> it's not good. I'm not too sure what they need to do to get going. What Xander's gotten like 95 at bats or something like that. It's at least 90 now without a home run. JD's kind of just, I, I don't know. They're, we got Andrew Benatendi's going on. <laughs> it's that's not the recipe that we need because it's it's clearly not working. Hopefully the Cubs get him right. Hopefully there's wind blowing out the left center and I he's got to get going here. I mean he's playing for a contract. We all thought with the way he started off the season that we were getting get like eighty percent prime JD, but it's um it it's kind of disappeared a little bit. I'm cautiously optimistic that you know he'll he'll get it together, but the Red Sox are eight and sixteen against the division, and in the month of July, and really for the rest of the season, it's very AL East heavy, and they got to get going. They absolutely have to get going. <sighs> You got the bottom of the lineup. They're all stepping up here and there. You know, every night it's someone else having a having a big game. And but you, you need Devers swinging away. You need Martinez. You need Bogarts being a little bit more productive. Are you guys sold? I meant to ask this a, a little while ago. Is should Devers really be in the two hole? Um, I, I personally like him there. Yeah. And it's one of those things where Devers is such a good hitter. I I'm okay. If they shift him around a little bit, if, you know, sometimes he's hitting second, sometimes he's hitting third. I don't want him hitting anywhere further down than that though. Like I don't want him hitting fourth. I, you do need to get him as many at bats as possible. He still is your best hitter despite the series that he had, but if he kind of shifts between two and three, depending on what the matchup is or how the lineup's going, I'm generally okay with that. But I do like him in the two hole. Um, I think it's just, it puts a lot of pressure on on pitchers. Now you need a leadoff guy who can get on, uh, which if Duran's playing every day, he's shown that he can do that. So I think between Duran's speed from the leadoff spot, putting pressure on pitchers, and then you got Rafi Devers coming up right after, that's that's a tough thing to get past. So I actually do like it. Yeah. I'm a thousand percent for Devers Ben second. I mean, he's a doubles machine. So theoretically, if anyone with remote speed gets on it first, lead off the game, you're, you know, on the scoreboard scoreboard, two batters into the game. So yeah. Uh, gets plenty of ABs throughout the season from that spot. Absolutely. Well, I just think it gets complicated if Duran's going to stay in the leadoff spot because he's a lefty, and then you got Devers a lefty, and then you got Doogie down in the in the five hole. So, I mean, it just seems logical to to put Devers third. That way, it goes lefty righty lefty at least through the the five spot in the order, and perhaps maybe Bogarts where he's not really hitting much for power right now maybe 
maybe they should tinker with him in the two hole a little bit, even though, you know, we haven't really seen that, but I just, I, I think it's a weird alignment up there. If Durant's going to be at the top of the order. Yeah. The only counter I would say to that is the way Bogarts is going right now. I certainly wouldn't mess with it because he's just chopping the ball into the ground. I mean, it's double play after double play with him right now. So even if Durant does get on, if he doesn't steal second, he's going to get wiped out by a double play anyway, the way Bogarts is going. Now, if Bogarts starts to drive the ball a little bit more and he figures it out and something clicks, then okay, yeah, I'd be open to that too. Um, And I'm not too concerned about having back-to-back lefties at the top of the lineup because Devers hits lefties. So he's not one of these straight platoon guys where – he mashes against righties, but lefties, you know, can get him out. He he mashes against lefties as well. So, you know, Verdugo and Duran, I don't think do as well against left-handers, but if Devers still does, then it's having back-to-back with him is kind of a wash because he's so good against both righties and lefties, it really won't matter. Well, all right. Uh, just one more thing in the duds uh, section here. Hansel Robles has Matt Barnes syndrome. I don't want to see him. I mean, it worked fine in game one. That was a low pressure situation, though. We're down by five runs and he's pitching the ninth. Uh, His previous two months, I mean, there's no justification for for trying it again in game two when when you're legitimately trying to close it out. You had Strom in the bullpen. You could have pitched him in the ninth. You could have pitched Diekman, who didn't see any any action at all. I just think there were better options than than putting Robles in there. I I don't think this guy is gonna find it. No, I agree. I, I've never really been that big on Robles. Even you know last year towards the end when he was kind of finding himself and and was being really effective. This is a guy who's in his, you know, early 30s. He's been around the league long enough. We all know what Hansel Robles is. Yes, he can throw the ball really hard. And, you know, if he's on, he can dot the corner with his fastball, but he's just very rarely on. Usually he's leaving it right over the plate. So there's not much mystery to him. He doesn't have a great pitching arsenal, and he's not clutch. He's not good in clutch and late. Um, in terms of, you know, keeping runners off base and not letting inherited runners score. So I agree. I I don't want to see Robles in any more high leverage situations. I feel like I'm saying that about quite a few relievers in that bullpen at this point, which presents a whole different problem. But at least with Robles, yeah, no more eighth, ninth inning in close games. No, No more of that. I hope he finds it, but it's not looking great right now. You got to just deleverage him at this point and just pick and choose where it's not high leverage because we, we know how it's going to end up. Yeah. I mean, when he had that great finish to the year in September and even pitched pretty well in October, I thought he's just a product of a, of a newly revamped Red Sox pitching program and, this is a preview of what we're going to see with a lot of guys. And, and so when we signed him to a minor league deal this year, I was like, Oh man, wow. I think we might've stole one. 
and he started off pretty well, but ever since that first Angel series, the the guy has just been up and down, and unfortunately, I just he's very low on my trust ladder. There's so many other guys. I mean, it, it gets to the point where it's either him or Sawamura. Who do you trust more? <laughs> and until we got ahead, Sawamura, I think the game was tied. Sawamura was warming up and he was going to come into that tied game today. So Alex Cora's bullpen management has just been really frustrating this year. I, I don't think he's been, quite as good as as years past so hopefully we just get a little bit more help and we don't have to worry about it all right uh i mean and then just one last thing connor siebold is this guy a major leaker is he ever gonna be i don't know he I, i like some of his stuff um but the velocity was down weirdly enough but so and he just I mean, they were, he was throwing Frisbees out there. I mean, it was basically a home run derby. So I still think he can be a big leaguer. I, you know, I, I'm not going to write him off after one start against a really good offense, but there were some red flags in there for sure. So it, he may need a lot more time to cook down in AAA, but uh, we'll see. He had yeah, it was only 27 whiffs, but uh, you yeah, know. that's what I was going to say. He's, Changeup showed about a 60 to 65 grade, which that was no joke. The pitches are there. Yeah, he's still never fully recovered from that arm injury, and he lost a couple miles an hour off his fastball. If he plays in the bullpen, yeah, that that is absolutely a pitcher that is valuable. And who knows if they end up moving a Tanner Houck this season or next offseason i mean he could be your two-inning bridge guy that you know they seem to value because that you can't teach that good of a changeup. and if they can get him hitting his spots better his fastball will play up as well but it was it was a rough one but on the road in toronto on only your you know your first start of the year that's it's a tough 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 ask yeah i just felt like he was getting sat on a little bit and you know very quickly it was a non-competitive game with him in there so perhaps maybe the bullpen is his destiny and i i think we'd be a little bit more open-minded to that but i uh i wouldn't be looking forward to his next start or two if they happen to be at the big league level so all right let's uh flip over to the studs side of things jason who do you have my stud is Alex Verdugo. Um, Rafi Devers, one lefty in your lineup, didn't perform this series, but Alex Verdugo showed up. Six for 13, had two hits in every single game. Um, tonight, he was awesome. You know, started off the game by making a great sliding catch off George Springer, robbed him of probably an extra base hit there. Um, had a homer, had a du- that huge double in, in the 10th. You know, drove in four runs. Um even was kind of giving it to the Toronto crowd a little bit as he was rounding the bases after the homer, which, uh, you know, when you're winning, you like to see at least. So um, he was great. You know, offensively this year, he's been up and down. Um, It's funny because like his average is still kind of sitting at 263 or 265, like can't seem to quite get it back up to 
that 280 mark where he usually is. But I like the way he's driving the ball. I love that he's hitting to all fields. He's not just pulling the ball. He's not just hitting it up the middle. He's going the other way. Um, and, you know, you, you still see him get robbed a few times. He hits line drives that just either the defense is situated perfectly or, you know, someone makes a really good play and snags it. So he probably could have a lot more hits um, if, if he wasn't getting robbed so much. But defensively, he looks great. At the plate, he's getting better and better. Um, he's coming up with a lot more clutch moments. So it's good to see because there's been a lot of, you know, whining and, and caterwauling about, you know, evaluating the Mookie Betts trade. And, you know, especially after Jeter Downs makes his debut and everyone's like, oh, he's not really hitting. And Connor Wong, what are we going to do with him? And, you know, Alex Verdugo, big part of that trade, he's, he's starting to show up. So, um, you know, can't really ask much more than that. I would still like to see it be a little more consistent. He does disappear at times, but Hey, he was great this series. He helped you win. You know, he pretty much stole the game for you today. So that was awesome to see. And he continues to get that average back up and continues to hit for power. Then maybe he gets bumped up in the lineup a little bit more too. Who knows? So it's just really good to see. Yeah. I don't know when it was that Mark hopped on this midweek show and I read those for Dugo unlucky, you know, numbers that he had run into. And if we look at a last calendar month, last 30 games for Verdugo, he's hitting 328 with thir- uh, 379 ops and a slugging is a little low. It's 484. But then you cut, cut that down to last week. He's hitting 429, 500 on base, 750 slugging. This is who we thought he was. This is, you know, who we saw in 2020 when I, he placed in the MVP voting. And, you know, we're like, oh, my God, we really got something here. We have something here. And it's Verdugo with confidence. It's Verdugo with not getting just screwed with, like Jason said, a perfectly placed defender seemingly every time. Like, yes, gap shot left center. It's like, oh, cool. That guy doesn't even belong there, but he caught it. And I swear to God, it, he gets two of those a game. And they're starting to fall. He had the big hit today after Xander had a non-competitive uh, at bat in extra innings. He won that game for them. I mean, we all saw what, you know, the Blue Jays uh, bottom of the tenth looked like. If Verdugo didn't rope that thing up to the wall in left center, they didn't win. And Verdugo is making a lot of winning plays right now. I saw some people crapping on him for not making that catch and left last night. I'm sorry. If you have to go back, back, back on a ball that's completely just drifting with the wind and then scale a wall, that's not routine. He had no chance of making that. It would have been a hell of a play if he did. So people had to get off him on that one. And he's been a great piece to the team for the last month. He's definitely sitting on a lot of off-speed stuff. Those seem to be the ones going over the fence. And we talked about it in the last show. I mean, he's on pace for only about 20 strikeouts, excuse me, 70 strikeouts on the season. Like the dude just doesn't strike out hardly ever. Uh, I'm looking to see where he's at. Well, he had 30 coming into the series, and he didn't strike out at all, not one time. So still 30 strikeouts on the season. So quietly one of the better outfielders in the league, perhaps maybe one of the best 
uh, left fielders in the league. So I just I hope it continues. He's not the the guy I anticipated hitting out of the five hole all season long, but uh, he's certainly being extremely effective at it. And you wonder why Bogarts is kind of struggling a little bit. You know, pitchers are going to have to respect Verdugo at the plate, especially if he's not going to strike out. So, um, so yeah, a good series for Verdugo. And I think we got him for what, two more years after this, something like that. So, um, hopefully, hopefully that trend continues. Uh, Andrew, you're, Stuff for the series. I went franchise Cordero. Um, you know, he has three hits in a game against Alec Manoa. Are you serious? He shouldn't. That was unbelievable. Franchi has he's a different player. And I'm glad that the management and core never gave up on him because he's one of the nicest guys on this team. No one deserves to have more success than him. He's worked his ass off. His defense looked great. He took away a couple hits. Um, even Uke, when Cordero didn't make a play today, he was like, no first baseman even comes close to getting to that ball. And he was a step and a half away on uh, robbing that one. And I, th- I don't know if it was the ninth or extra innings. Franchi has saved that because, quite frankly, the Tristan Cassis injury – has been dooming to this team. This is a guy that probably should have been up right now. Dahlbeck would have been back in uh, Worcester figuring things out, getting right, and he hasn't had that opportunity. And Tristan's been out for damn near, like, what, a month and a half now with a high ankle sprain? He's finally hitting off a tee. I mean, those things are terrible injuries. And Franchi stepped it up, and he's solidified a position that was an absolute black hole so franchi four hits today almost had a fifth sharp liner on a bounce to the shortstop good on him he was a huge part of this win and he presents uh, a threat on the base i i love it yeah what i love is that he's not doing it with a long ball because i feel like that's all we heard when they got franchi cordero's all oh, wait till you see this guy's power you know like he can hit it 500 feet and I he probably still can I don't think that he's lost any power by any means but he's not going up there swinging out of his ass you know doing what Ralphie Devers did tonight just trying to you know swing for the heavens every single time he's hitting line drives I mean today they executed a great hit and run with him that was really you know huge part of that game Um, you know he can hit the ball you know on the ground now using his speed stealing stealing bases like I knew he was pretty fast. I didn't think that he could be a stolen base threat. Um, so that's great to see too. And the defense has definitely, definitely improved at first base. You know, is it is it perfect? Is he going to be a gold glover anytime soon? Probably not. But he's not like what Kyle Schwarber was last year where every play was an adventure. And because I feel like all I've heard this year too is people lamenting not having Kyle Schwarber. It's like, honestly, you're better off with Franchi Cordero right now because he can run, he's better defensively, and he gets on base more. He may not hit as many home runs as Schwarber will, but that's okay. Honestly, I I prefer this version of Franchi Cordero that's not trying to hit the long ball every single time. 
because he's having better at bats. He's taking walks, which he never used to do. Um, and he's just, he's being a much, you know, much better overall offensive threat. So it's been awesome to see, especially since it keeps Bobby Dahl back on the bench. Um, he just still can't figure it out, even though Alex Cora tried to make him a pinch hit threat tonight, which was uh, that backfired pretty quick. One of the ugliest pinch hit at bats I've ever seen. So Dahlbeck is still kind of twisting in the wind. So for Franchi to be picking it up right now is it couldn't have come at a better time because like you said, first base was a black hole, you know, for the beginning of this season. And now that Franchi is at least showing he can be a competent everyday player, it's looking a little bit better. So it's awesome to see, keep giving him playing time because if he's, you know, if something has clicked and he's figured it out, you're going to need him down the stretch. He's actually giving you very similar numbers as to what Casas was doing down in Pawtucket. They both have about the same number of uh, runs batted in. Franchi has 12 doubles on the season at the big league club. Casas has nine. Uh, Their batting average is about the same. Their on-base is kind of similar. I mean, well, maybe not quite similar. That's the one thing Costas is doing very well at in Worcester. Uh, his on-base is 110 points above his batting average. For Franchi, it's 80, but that's still significant at the major league level. So, so Franchi is definitely kind of overperforming, you know, more than many of us hoped. He went nuts last year in Worcester, but we were like, well, he's never done it at the major league level. And he's not giving us quite that this year, but he's been more than adequate. He can play first base. You can plug him in at right field. I was going to try to look up uh, uh, Christian Arroyo's numbers versus lefties, but Quietly, the Red Sox bench is is looking a lot better, you know, with Cordero. Arroyo is is showing life, and I think he's getting better and better in the outfield. And I don't know how long Ref Snyder's up here, but like I said earlier, we'll ride the wave for as long as we can. So that that's kind of the one saving grace right now with the team and. I just wonder which way is Bloom going to go at the deadline? I don't think we're, we did a show on it uh, the Thursday before last, but, or may not, it was last Thursday actually. Uh, but I mean, you would think bullpen, right? But you got a lot of help internally. I mean, maybe, maybe Brian Bayo does come up and pitch out of the pen at some point. Yeah, I I've kind of thought this for the last, I don't know, week or two. I think that the Red Sox, you know, everyone's asking they be buyers or sellers. They're certainly not going to be sellers at this point. Um I mean, they have to map they'd have to have the worst July on record to even consider that. I don't I don't foresee that happening. I think they'll be buyers, but I think it's going to be like the smallest move possible. You know, it's going to be bullpen help too. I I don't think that at this point, uh, I don't think Kimes too worried about first base or the outfield with Duran and with Ref Snyder doing what they're doing. 
with Franchi doing what he's doing. I feel like the lineup is okay. The bullpen is clearly the biggest problem. So you might see another Austin Davis type of move this year where he just, you know, talks to Pittsburgh and says, okay, who's pitching well for you this year? All right, we'll give you this kid from double A and, you know, that's going to be it. He's not going to make a big splash. He's not going to, you know, try to make a a huge multiplayer deal. It's going to be small stuff, but I do think it'll be bullpen help because that's clearly what they need the most. While we're on Austin Davis, I was thinking about this earlier. Can we see Austin Davis traded soon? They don't have the room for any more lefties in this bullpen. You know, they're kind of maxed out with that. Three lefties is a whole hell of a lot of lefties. And they're probably not going to move Deakman, although they might try. You know, his numbers haven't been great, but they're not unmovably bad. Strom, I think they have the most trust in of the three. Austin Davis is out of options and probably pitching a little bit better than he actually is. And with no options, do they move him for a non 48 prospect? Not a good prospect, a 20 to 30 ranked prospect in the system and move up a Bayo eventually. Or is that where, you know, they acquire a right-handed reliever with one of their 40 man roster crunch uh, prospects coming up? I don't know. I I think they could be buyers and selective sellers at the deadline is the way I'm putting it. Yeah, and certainly of all their lefties, Davis has the most movable contract. He's, I think he's making peanuts. So, yeah, if there's not room for him anyway um, and they can't move Diekman, then I could see it, sure. I would definitely rather move Diekman out of the two, though. I mean, I get why Davis is a lot easier to move, but um, I that's what... What I would like to say, and just for the record, when I asked the question, I I, I knew, knew they were going to be buyers. It was just which area were they going to focus on. Um, and, and I just feel like we have, we've got a lot of answers internally. I mean, you got Bayo down there. I don't, is Mata going to come up at all, do you think, this year? He just moved up to AA yesterday okay. to rehab. They probably won't force him into a major league role this year. Um, It's probably going to be pure rehab because if you move him up now that there's only the 13 13 pitchers, you're asking a lot for a guy coming off TJ that's still developing to potentially pitch back-to-back days, unfortunately. Okay. Who knows? Maybe they force it, but I I don't don't know about that one. I I wish because he's been nails. Yeah, and I mean, it's encouraging that he's already at double A, so um, we'll see. But I mean, it's still it's still an outside option, and you got Frank German. I haven't looked at him lately, but you got to figure he'll probably be up. So that's three guys that could conceivably up. And and Andrew, you're you're preaching lefties. Guess who else is rehabbing right now? Josh Taylor. Another lefty. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. I used to be a big apologist. I got to stop being a bullpen apologist guy because they, they never work out for me. I sang the praises of Darwin's in the winter before last. Like, he could be the closer of the future. And uh, I just end up looking like a dumbass. 
Uh, all right. So quickly, my stud, we don't have to spend a ton of time, but uh, I think he, he deserves some praise. Christian Vasquez, 5 for 11 on the series. Very sneaky. He has his batting average up to 291. So kind of flirting with the 300 uh, line in the last 15 days. He's hitting 375. So um, that's probably where the uptick was on his overall batting average. But just a very consistent, steady guy to have in your bottom third of the order. And you desperately need a guy like that in, in your bottom third. Yeah, absolutely. And gives you professional at-bats every single time. I mean, what he put Jordan Romano through tonight yeah. looks excruciating. <laughs> it's like, I, I actually felt bad for Romano. I was like, man, that's got to be so frustrating. He's just fouling everything off, really making him work. Um, it was, you know, and then eventually draws the walk. So, you know, if, if your catcher's doing that out of the bottom third of your lineup, and he's, he's hitting for power. He's hitting clutch. Again, getting that batting average up and, you know, just giving you good at-bats. That's really all you can ask for. Defensively, he's been fine. I, I don't, you know, I don't think he's been elite, but he seems to be okay. The pitching staff seems to like working with him for the most part. So that's all you can ask for, too. Um, yeah, he's – Vasquez has been a lot more valuable to this team this year than I thought he would be. So it's been a pleasant surprise, and – they are going to need him big time because again, it's just, there's so many flaws with, with the rest of the team. And um, to have your catcher performing like that is a big help. Yeah. He's arguably been a top three catcher in the AL this season. Um, obviously we matched up against probably the best one in Kirk tonight. And I was dead wrong about Christian. He, you know, I wanted him out. He did start the season off horrendously. So that did add up to some of my um, Shot Murphy cries. But he's completely, he's a different guy. He's playing for a contract. I think we can get into that a little bit later. Um, he might get it. Uh, and I'd be, you know, hard pressed to argue about, against it. Yeah. I've uh, thought about that. I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on the show, but. The big thing for me was never his offense. It was it was the dismal numbers starting pitching had with him catching. And Sale had his own personal catcher for a while, except for late last season. I think Vasquez did catch quite a few Chris Sale games, but um, it just... It wasn't looking good, but the the rotation this year has looked really good with with Vasquez uh, catching. And even though the bullpen, you know, collectively hasn't worked out, there are still a few guys in there that are having uh, a pretty solid season with with Vasquez catching him. Sometimes with some of them, you know, we question the the pitch selection a little bit, but. Um, but man, I just I didn't expect this out of Vasquez, and he's not going to be expensive, so that that just makes me more, you know, lean towards yeah, he he probably will be back. He's been durable too. Has he ever gone on the injured list? 
Oh, there was the one the one season he needed Tommy John. But, <laughs> yeah, true. But that was it. I mean, but apart from that, no, like he doesn't miss like chunks of games. He he really he's been pretty sturdy apart from that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, where are we with time here? Oh, we're at the hour mark. Uh, you know what? Uh, probably we'll just skip honorable mentions. There wasn't really a lot. I mean, Pavetta walked three guys today. Was uh, First few innings were ugly, but he settled down. Um, but aside from that, Schreiber, of course, uh, pitched well. But, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the Cubs series. This is our last cupcake series for a little while. So we have to uh, make the most of it, pulling up the ESPN schedule. Now, the the regular site, not updated yet. Tomorrow's an off day, correct? Thursday, I'm pretty sure. So that's probably part of the reason why we don't have complete matchups yet. But we're going to go to the very unreliable ESPN schedule. Um, actually, well, we'll see. Game one, I think we can trust that uh, it is actually Rich Hill pitching because that would be his turn through. He's uh, up against... A guy I've never heard of. I got to get his first name. Adrian Sampson, who is um, got a wow. You can tell dead giveaway. I'm not good at navigating this site. I can't even find his ERA. Oh, there it is. One sixty nine ERA on the season. Wow, those are elite numbers. And uh, a zero point eight four WHIP. He's probably only started what. Maybe a handful of games, but against the Cardinals, five innings pitched, two earned runs. Start before that, that was uh, June 19th, four and two-thirds innings, no earned runs. And then he had uh, just a one-inning appearance against the Dodgers. Um, That didn't seem to go well. He gave up two runs, but they weren't earned. So I don't know if this guy's a spot starter. Are either of you familiar with Adrian Sampson? No, I I honestly have not heard of him. <laughs> the only thing the only thing I saw is that he's only pitched three times this year. Those, oh, those are really the only three games he's pitched. Okay, that makes so, sense. So and he's he's thirty years old, so he seems like sort of a journeyman, maybe spot starter kind of guy, like you said. So n- not much really going on there. Yeah, I got. I, mean, I got literally got, nothing. I'm okay. on my phone trying to figure him out. Yeah. He made his debut against the Red Sox in 2016 for an injured Wade Miley that was facing the Red Sox. So he's got that going for him. Then he went to Japan, played for some team called the Wood Ducks in some weird ass league in probably you know the armpit of America somewhere. I yeah. If if this is who they're facing, they better freaking win this game. <laughs> Okay, I when Jason said 30 years old, I'm like, geez, I wonder if he did go to Japan because that's kind of the route uh, Ryan Brazier took. But all right, uh, but he is pitching against Rich Hill, so <laughs> Rich Hill revenge game against the Cubbies, all right. the team he came up with about 98 years ago. So who are you picking, Jason? Oh, I'm picking the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I agree with Andrew. If you can't beat up on this guy, uh, we got some serious issues. All right, I'll take Rich Hill as well, but it, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it. 
Game two, uh, that's not going to happen. Connor Siebold versus another guy I haven't heard of. Alec Mills, actually, I have heard of him. Um, he's not pitching well this year, though. Uh, Alec Mills has a 9.87 ERA with a 173 whip. Seems to be on the Dallas Keuchel program. I Well, let's just put it this way. In his last three starts in a row, which were against the Cardinals, the Pirates, and the Padres, he gave up five earned runs in all three of those. So is Siebel pitching? Like, are we going to see him and Winkowski in the series? They have Winkowski. The Red Sox have Winkowski scheduled on their website. On Saturday? Okay. ESPN has uh, still has... Uh, I, I think they said, I feel like Cora said Siebel was getting Sunday earlier. Let me look it up. Oh, so maybe they're just going to flip-flop then? Yeah, kill some time for me here. All right. <laughs> it's all good. Um, even if Siebel's pitching, I mean, that might be a, a competitive game since the other guy's so bad. Yeah, I, I mean... Whether it's Siebold or it's Winkowski, I still like the Red Sox in this one. Alec Mills is terrible. He's really bad. Um, doesn't have great stuff. Throws 92, 93, just soft stuff. Um, you know, got lit up by the Pirates. I mean, you, you get lit up by the Pirates, you must really stink. So I don't, whether it's Siebold or Winkowski, um, Red Sox should put up at least five or six on this guy. So I'll take them in game two as well. Uh, yeah, know. I'm fairly confident in saying that it's Winkowski and the Red Sox will win this game. Yeah, if it's Winkowski, I, I almost feel good about almost any matchup, really, as long as we're hitting. I mean, he, Winkowski's been pretty solid. He had that shaky debut, but in the two or three games since then, pretty solid. Uh, all right, back to uh, the schedule here. Cubs have just really gave up. I thought they were going to be better than this this year, like a fringe wild card maybe. But um, Well, I mean, they had Suzuki come out like gangbusters, and then, you know, he started cooling off like a rookie, and then I'm pretty sure he cut off his own thumb to avoid the team. Because he he's been out for like two months now. Oh, has he? I was just about to look. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's been done with a thumb injury for a while. It's kind of weird. And we uh, we don't get to see our favorite guy, Stroman, either, because he's on the IL. So. Oh, is he? Jesus. Yeah, they're without him, too. So. Wilson Contreras, I guess, is the highlight of the series for the that's, Cubs. Uh, that's, that's about it. Maybe Ian Happ, too. But, yeah, that's about maybe, it. <laughs> maybe we can make some bad blood before he's straight to the Yankees in July. So, game... Three. So, are we going Seabold in that game? I seems that way. Yeah, that's what Twitter seems to be saying. So, okay. Well, Twitter's always right. Um, <laughs> Keegan Thompson uh, in game three. I'm not familiar with him either. Um, three thirty four ERA on the season. He's seven and three. So he's basically pitched the whole season. Looked. Well, he did get tagged for four runs against the Reds in his last start, but his uh, three starts prior to that, he uh, he gave up one run against the Pirates, 
shut down the Atlanta Braves. No one runs over six innings. And then, um, well, and that was it because he only seemed to last two-thirds of an inning against the Yankees, and he gave up three earned. Five runs overall, three of them were earned. So, you know what? I'm going to put that as a loss for the Red Sox if it's Seabold. I'm actually going to do the same. Yeah, if it's Seabold, I think Keegan Thompson might be Chicago's best pitcher, which isn't saying much, but it's at least saying a little something. Um, apart from that hiccup against the Reds, his last couple of starts, he was racking up strikeouts, looking really good. I don't know if the Red Sox have ever seen him. So that's another thing that Red Sox tend to struggle against guys they haven't seen before. So, and I just can't, I don't have enough confidence in this team right now to pick a sweep, even against the lowly Cubs. So I'll take Chicago in game three. Well, this is weird. I was taking them too, um, mainly just because Keegan Thompson's, you know, He's got a lot of good metrics on baseball Savant, and that those are the guys that the Red Sox seem to struggle with. But more so, I think the Red Sox are going to be trying to rush through this game. They have an early game against Tampa on Monday, uh, you know, after traveling. So I think they're going to completely overlook this. I think we're going to see them sleepwalk through the first, like, six or seven innings, thinking, you know, they can just show up and win. I think uh, Toronto, I think Chicago might be able to steal one here. Agreed. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, just take the sweep. But Monday's the 4th of July, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep, sure is. So that's why it's an early game. All right. Well, uh, we will be back tomorrow on Friday with Deep Dive. So hope everybody's having a good week. Take care.